You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey everyone, Tom Fitton here, Judicial Watch President, with our special weekly update during the impeachment trial of the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. A lot to talk about. It looks like it's going to be a big victory for the President and in the rule of law, but I'll talk about the damage being done to our system of government and our Constitution. So a lot to cover uh, today. Plus, we have two new lawsuits on Burisma and Biden, and then separately on that Ukraine whistleblower. So I'll talk about that. And then we have new documents showing surprise, more bias by the Justice Department for Hillary Clinton. So these documents are going to shock you, and they're going to call into question, it looks like, maybe a criminal investigation or prosecution that the Justice Department had initiated and pursued. Uh, so a lot, very important release. Uh, but first up is the impeachment sham, the impeachment coup, the impeachment abuse of the President of the United States, our Constitution, our Constitutional Republic, and you, American citizen. We've been seeing it going on now. It's, I think, day, uh, day nine or ten of, uh, of outrageous defamation and smearing of the President of the United States by the House impeachment managers, uh, an able defense by the President's attorneys. And I tell you, what's been refreshing about the impeachment trial, uh, now generally speaking, there should never have been an impeachment trial, and I'll get to that is that the impeachment gang, the coup cabal, ran into a buzzsaw. And the buzzsaw is the rule of law, as presented by the due process rights, or as presented by the attorneys, who are finally able to vindicate a little bit of the president's due process rights. Remember, he's had zero due process to date. That House uh, impeachment proceeding was one of the worst abuses by the House of Representatives of any American citizen in American history. And I don't say that lightly. Witness after witness came in. The president had no ability to cross-examine, practically speaking. He was denied all due process rights as we understand it under American law. And yet they went in and they got that Senate trial despite the abuse of the president, despite the concerns about the corrupt relationship between Adam Schiff and the leaker, the one that initiated, remember, the whistleblower complaint? That really wasn't a whistleblower complaint. Despite the, uh, Schiff abusing the due process rights of the president, despite Schiff, for instance, illicitly getting and then publishing private phone records of the president's lawyers, a congressman, and a journalist. So in my view, that was enough to just throw the whole mess out. The Senate should never have agreed to it, just based on prosecutorial misconduct as it is. And one of the arguments the president's lawyers made as they were in the trial was that these are, these are, this is an impeachment about nothing. They're deficient. So we can just dispense with them quickly. And thankfully, uh, a majority of the senators are seemingly agreeing to that in the sense that they're not going to allow additional witnesses to be called. They're not going to give Adam Schiff fur the f further benefit of his corruption. 
and they're going to shut it down forthwith. Now, it's never forthwith enough for me, or probably for you who have had to suffer through this abusive process. I was on uh, Tucker Carlson last night. I made the point that the president probably would have gotten more due process from Judge Wapner's People's Court than, he was, than he's gotten from the impeachment abuse he's been suffering through over the last several months. And I tell you what, if they were going to bring in witnesses, uh, for instance, Jay Sekulow made the point, he says not only does the president want his own witnesses, but they've used witnesses that he was unable to cross-examine. So all that seven, those 17 witnesses, he should have been able to cross-examine. But you know, as I've pointed out before, when you go into a court with a lack of evidence about wrongdoing, courts shut you down. They don't allow you to torture your opponent in court if you have no evidence they did anything wrong, no evidence for the case to proceed. Courts shut it down all the time. And in this case, this trial is going to be shortened a bit. It's frankly gone on too long as it is. We don't know exactly when it's going to end. As we're talking now, the Senate is deciding how to, how to basically bring the trial in for landing because there are going to be no additional witnesses barring some unforeseen event. And certainly there's no votes to remove the president from office. But just think about the, the logic. We have no evidence of wrongdoing, no evidence of a crime, no evidence of a, a, a near crime, in the words of Adam Schiff, more or less. And so that's a reason just to bring in more witnesses who will provide more information about rumors and presumptions and innuendo. And sure enough, as the trial is proceeding, there's a more abuse of the president, more abuse of the rule of law. You have this leak of the Bolton manuscript well, of course, the manuscript, I don't even know if it's, you could call it a leak of the manuscript because the New York Times, which wrote the story, essentially says, well, someone who looked at the manuscript says this is what it says. And it doesn't implicate the president in any wrongdoing. So it's more evidence of nothing. To be, to be clear, no crimes, no evidence. And I want to take a step back and put this in context. And the president's lawyers have raised these issues as well. Uh, I don't know, how, how do you think the lawyers did? You know, provide your view of what happened in our comments, however you're watching this. Uh, it goes back to before the presidency, where you had the Obama and Clinton gang colluding with the Russians and the Ukrainians to try to take him out as a candidate. And then once he, won, once he ran, or won, they continued the collusion to try to undermine him as president and try to remove him from office. Part of that was the Mueller special counsel harassment, which again was an investigation over nothing, illegal spying on the president of the United States, legal spying on the candidate for the president. And then there's this gussied up classified leak, which is the contents of the phone call, 
which was classified, was leaked through a whistleblower complaint, in my view, improperly in violation of the law. Indeed, it's not a whistleblower complaint that's led to this impeachment canard. And all throughout this process, we've had evidence of criminal activity targeting the President of the United States. The President is a crime victim. He's had his civil rights violated. Other Americans caught up in his orbit have had their rights violated. We had the news last week that the, uh, uh, the Justice Department has disavowed two spy warrants targeting Carter Page, or more specifically, the President of the United States, thereby confirming there were crimes committed in spying on him. They had no lawful predicate to spy on Page and Trump indirectly. And what's happening? He's on trial. We've demonstrated through our FOIA lawsuits and litigation because, of course, Judicial Watch has been doing the heavy lifting on this. Congress has been ignoring this corruption, more or less. There have been individual members. The Senate hasn't done a, a darn thing on it. Showing that the Obama State Department was colluding with the Clinton gang, Russians, Christopher Steele, Democrats in the House and the Senate, to try to destroy Donald Trump. And we're supposed to take at face value the interagency consensus, mostly in the State Department, that the President of the United States did something wrong in asking questions about corruption in Ukraine? What I like about this trial, it shows the President, ironically, despite the best efforts of the Kukabal to the contrary, is a corruption fighter. He knew something was up in Ukraine, and he pushed, and he pushed despite the screams from the bureaucrats who are supposed to report to him and implicate, impl uh, implement his directions, he wanted answers on this. The Ukrainians were working with the Clinton campaign, the DNC. They were leaking information. They were directly attacking him. The whole Ukraine issue was the fulcrum on which the Mueller operation rested in terms of trying to get Trump. Manafort is in jail because of Ukraine. We had the Associated Press leaking uh, or going to the Justice Department to try to get Manafort prosecuted based on Ukraine. So you had the reporters trying to put Trump people in jail. That's how crazed this city is. Reporters are trying to put all the president's men in jail directly. We have the documents. I tell you what, I'd be happy to testify to the Senate about what we found. Maybe you can call your senators and tell them about what we found and ask them, are they going to follow up? It's good they're going to acquit President Trump, but they need to follow up and get some accountability for the corruption that this abuse of the Senate was designed to cover up. Lisa Murkowski did the right thing in refusing to play games here by providing witnesses, additional witnesses. But of course, you know, we can't rest. 
You know, you want to know why I'm so agitated? Well, I'm somewhat agitated because I'm kind of hungry right now, but generally I'm agitated because um, I know this is not going to be over with the acquittal of the President of the United States. You already see the left pursue their Alice in Wonderland logic, verdict first, evidence never, Uh, a trial isn't a trial unless we get the witnesses we want. Oh, yes, you can get witnesses, but as long as they're the witnesses we wanted to call, so we get our witnesses and you get our witnesses. And if the president's acquitted in a trial that we disagree with in terms of witness decisions, it's not really a trial, so he's not really acquitted. And they're going to go back to the drawing board. They're going to go back to the impeachment box and the presidential harassment box and continue it. And how is that, and what, and, what, and what needs to be done to stop that? There needs to be accountability. Because the goal of doing this is to freeze the Justice Department, freeze the President of the United States. What better way to prevent those who spied on him illegally from being criminally prosecuted than by trying to freeze the head of government, indeed remove the head of government that might prosecute the gang that's trying to remove him from office. We're just about to enter the primary season for presidential, presidential campaign. The constitutional absurdity of having at least, what is it, three senators sit in judgment on this political trial. Three senators who are trying to beat this president in a presidential candidate are days before their primary contest thinking of, uh, about, to be able, about to vote as to whether to remove him. So I'm happy the president's going to win, but we're all going to lose in the end, in the sense that our Constitution has been assaulted and damaged. The left now has a new tool that it will use repeatedly and often against uh, a presidents they don't like, which is presidents they don't elect, impeachment. It's going to happen all the time. I know Republicans say that Democrat presidents will have to worry about it now. I doubt it. Because at least under current Republican leadership, and you know, I would counsel against impeaching and removing a president based on nothing. So no, it's not going to happen all the time to leftist presidents because that's not the way conservatives operate. We try to follow the rule of law. But I want to get back to that point about the rule of law. I was saying what was refreshing about the trial, it shows you why the left hates the rule of law, doesn't it? I mean, I realize it was not a perfect trial in a sense. It's not, uh, it, it, it's uh, uh, the Senate. I went up there to the Senate trial. Um, I was able to get a ticket this week, and I went up there the other day to watch it in person. And it was interesting to see in person, and I'll tell you a little bit about it because I think it, it would be interesting. I think you'd be interested in, in this because the media doesn't really tell you what goes on in the room there. Uh, it's a smaller room, as you might imagine, than you see, than you might uh, think on TV. And um, imagine a court proceeding, more or less. All the senators are sitting there, so that's interesting to see. Uh, but it's a court proceeding with 125-plus people uh, milling around and being active. So it's a busy court proceeding. Many senators are paying attention, many are not, but just think, you're sitting there for two hours at a stretch, more or less, watching testimony. 
or watching, well, it's not testimony, well, partly testimony, but watching uh, these proceedings. So sometimes they're paying attention, other times they're doing other things, and then other times they're leaving the room. So uh, it's, a, uh, it's interesting to see the, pres- the Chief Justice of the United States is presiding over it. Uh, but the uh, outrageous aspect of it is that it looks like the whole Senate's being held hostage by Adam Schiff. That's the impression I had. I mean, I was sitting there for several hours watching it, and I finally had to get up because I couldn't take it anymore. You know what I, well, you know what drove me out? When Adam Schiff got up there and said that anyone who wants to question the whistleblower, who I don't think is a whistleblower, he's not legally a whistleblower, he's not morally a whistleblower. And if you want to question this whistleblower, if you want to raise questions about his and his staff's contacts with the whistleblower, your only purpose at this point would be to endanger his life. What an outrageous smear. And if we were in a courtroom, the judge would slap him back. So I, I was tired of the abuse of the process. I was tired of the abuse of the Senate, and I got up and left. Uh, but I was there for you on behalf of Judicial Watch, and, and it was interesting to see. And, uh, and I hope uh, that if you come to Washington, you are able to go and watch Senate proceedings and House proceedings now and again uh, because, you know, they do work for you. <laughs> That's one thing that we have to remember. They work for us. And so I appreciate your continued calls over the last several weeks uh, to the Senate about this trial because it has an impact. I mean, do you think there'd be witnesses' testimony or, or do you think that the president would be protected from further abuse by Schiff if they weren't hearing from you? Of course not. They're politicians. They listen to what constituents say more often than they care to admit to because they really don't want to encourage people to call in like I was encouraging you to call in. But as I said, it's not over, so keep on calling in at 202-225-3121. But I keep on missing this thread. I want to get back to it. This is why the left hates the rule of law. However weak the due process was in the Senate, I mean, it was kind of a crazy trial in terms of its rules. That's not the way a regular trial goes. But at least it had the appearance and elements of due process. And so Schiff and company got angry and upset when they were held to standards of law, when they had to talk about the rule of law, when they had to talk about evidence, when they had to talk about facts. Schiff's whole theory of the case is the world according to Adam Schiff, because no testimony shows the president did anything wrong. The testimony shows the president was rightly concerned about Ukraine. The evidence shows that even the State Department under the Obama administration was concerned about Joe Biden and Ukraine. And so because they, they, they take the position that they run the House impeachment and no one can say anything about the lack of due process there. But thankfully, there were these elements of due process that uh, really shredded Adam Schiff. Now, is it going to be, has he been sufficiently brushed back to stop him from violating the Constitution and the rule of law again? I doubt it. 
But the reason the president and his lawyers did as well as, because, as they did was because they could rely on the rule of law. And that's why the left hates it. Because if it's all politics, we lose. You'll lose all your rights if it's all politics. But if the Constitution's at issue, the rule of law's at issue, and basic uh, due process issue, rights are at issue, and evidence and the rules of evidence are at issue, and as a non-lawyer, I've become, I've certainly working at Judicial Watch for, was it 21 years now? Going on 22 years. I've come to appreciate how these rules protect us. Because otherwise, it's just a big fist fight. And if you want civility in politics, follow the rule of law. Well, you won't get complete civility, but it's a great way to ensure that uh, people aren't being victimized thanks to the uh, political needs of corrupt politicians. Is it perfect? No. But you can see even an imperfect process in the Senate, however politicized it is, can vindicate the rule of law. So there is unlikely to be witnesses. So thank you, Senator Murkowski. Thank you, Senator Alexander. Thank you, the other senators who are... Oh, the Senate just voted no on witnesses. So thank you, all those senators who voted no on witnesses. So it's done. But, you know, I run hot and cold on witnesses because I would have liked to see a lot of people testify, and I'm sure you agree with me. Uh, but Senator McConnell, I'm sure the president was thinking this is an abuse and uh, we just got, they don't deserve the time of day. There is no, uh, there's nothing worthy of impeachment. And, you know, when you go into court with deficient claims, you get thrown out. And that's what's going to happen here, practically speaking. So I don't know when the final vote is going to be, uh, but uh, it's obviously now on a glide path to success for the president. So, but Judicial Watch, we are not, we're not going to forget what's been done here. We're not going to be blustered and intimidated and bullied into ignoring the corruption. One of the more disappointing things, to put it charitably, really outrageous, was uh, Chief Justice Roberts declining to read a question that mentioned the name of the alleged whistleblower. And the question was written in a way that didn't call him the whistleblower. It, it was a completely political decision. Now, admittedly, judges in cases have the discretion to leave that type of information out, right? But this was a decision by, uh, it, 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 this was not a regular courtroom. And in my view, the chief judge, the, the chief justice overstepped his authority here. And I'm disappointed the Senate didn't overrule him and require him to read the question. The Senate had been bullied in that particular issue into protecting the corrupt uh, questions about being asked most directly of Adam Schiff and his, uh, about his corrupt, evidently, well, I know it's a corrupt relationship because he lied about it. You don't, why would you lie about it otherwise? 
Now, the president's team raised general issues, but no one wanted to mention the name of the guy. And I'm not going to mention him here because the big tech companies are working with Adam Schiff's or have bought into Adam Schiff theory that the whistleblower's name can't be said. That's not a legal position. He's not a whistleblower under law. And even if he were, his name is not immune from being publicly disclosed. Think about this. You have a man, and if, it's, if this person indeed is a whistleblower, I don't know exactly for sure, but there have been all sorts of credible reports he is. Everyone in town knows who the name is. Like I said, if I say it, the uh, big tech, Facebook and YouTube, will delete this video. They'll take it down. We can't even put a link with his name in it on those websites. Can you believe it? They're protecting the CIA a CIA official who worked on Ukraine, the top CIA guy on Ukraine, for the White House in both, Obama, in both the Obama and the Trump White Houses. Evidently, he worked for Joe Biden. Evidently, he worked, well, we have the documents because Judicial Watch first disclosed them. He was dealing with all these Ukrainians who were involved in the effort to take out Trump. He visited with them at the White House. We're not allowed to mention his name. Well, because Adam Schiff doesn't want it done. You know why he doesn't want it done? Because it would demonstrate, because the details of what this guy was up to, I'm convinced would demonstrate the corrupt formation and corrupt pursuit of the effort to remove the president from office. If you want to know what the corruption is, this is the issue that I'm talking, this is a key part of it. But again, we're not intimidated I mean, you tell, you, we can sue in court. We can ask questions. We don't have to ask Adam Schiff's permission. We sued Adam Schiff for records about his abuse of the, the civil rights of the president's team and publishing their phone records. We've already sued for all the emails of the alleged whistleblower at the CIA. But we've expanded our investigation to the State Department, and we've asked for records about meetings that took place, evidently, involving the whistleblower and these Ukrainians. I'm looking at the wrong release here. Hold on. Judicial Watch files two new, law two new lawsuits. I'll talk about the second one in a minute. All records regarding the January 19, 2016 meeting at the White House that included State Department Ukrainian resident legal advisor Jeff Cole and U.S. Embassy, US Embassy Kiev employee Sipvana Partis. Now, supposedly the whistleblower was involved in that meeting. All records of communications between the State Department official and the whistleblower, or the, the name of that person, the CIA official, and other types of documents. Remember, Biden joined the board of Burisma in 2014, Hunter Biden did, because Burisma was worried about corruption investigations and they needed a, a, a someone, they needed insurance by having the vice president's son there. And his father just coincidentally happened to be the point man for Obama on Ukraine corruption. 
And then you got Joe Biden confessing on tape that the prosecutor investigating Burisma was fired after he threatened to withhold a billion dollar loan guarantees from Ukrainians' leadership. See, that's evidence of corruption, folks. <laughs> but we're not allowed to talk about some of the people involved. I mean, we first exposed by looking at public White House visitor logs who this uh, CIA official was meeting with. And it looked like these, as I said, this, this group of Ukrainians involved in trying to smear and target Trump. And then Laura Ingram, it looks like she was doing her own FOIA work. She had a story about how New York Times journalist Ken Vogel was investigating that meeting that we're asking about. Vogel contacted the State Department via email for comment, specifically mentioning concerns about Hunter Biden's position with Burisma. We're going to report that the State Department, uh, that a State Department official attended a meeting at the White House on 119 with Ukrainian prosecutors and embassy officials, as well as blank redacted from the NSC. You know who that name is probably? The whistleblower. The subjects discussed, listen, included efforts within the United States government to support prosecutions in Ukraine and the United Kingdom of Burisma Holdings and concerns that Hunter Biden's position with the company could complicate such efforts. They had a meeting about Burisma at the Obama White House. New York Times never ran this story. Isn't that interesting? So it's, again, up to Judicial Watch to do the heavy lifting to try to get the full truth about what the State Department has here. And isn't it outrageous that we had to sue? This State Department? They're hiding documents that could exoner further exonerate the President of the United States. So this is, our, I think, our third lawsuit on the whistleblower that Chief Justice Roberts has decided she should, he shouldn't name. Unbelievable. And Biden isn't clear. You know, it's, again, another silver lining of this impeachment trial is that it has demonstrated beyond a shadow of a doubt there are significant corruption issues tied to Joe Biden, Burisma, and Ukraine. And there needs to be something done on it. Now, Judicial Watch has already sued for records about some of these issues. Uh, but as I said, we have a second lawsuit we just filed this week. Uh, and this one really covers it all, at least with the State Department. We sued for all cables, teletypes, or emails sent or addressed to any official employee or representative of the Department of State stationed at the U.S. Embassy in Kiev containing the word Burisma. So... I don't know if the media is going to continue to cover for Biden on this. They keep on calling the story debunked, which is just absurd. Because the story is based largely on media reports that they had already generated two, three years ago. So they're now saying that we're debunked, meaning the, social, the, the left-wing media. So they're just trying to throw all of us down into the memory hole. And Judicial Watch is not going to be distracted by the fake impeachment, by bullying from Schiff, by media cover-ups. I mean, if that were the case, we'd shut down. They didn't want us to investigate Benghazi. Uh-uh. We said we're doing it, and we uncovered the Benghazi scandal. They didn't want to investigate Clinton emails. We said, uh-uh, we're doing it. And she's not the president of the United States as a result of our disclosures, it looks like. 
and now they're trying to protect Biden. So we'll see what we get here. But isn't it outrageous that we had the suit of State Department on these two issues? They didn't just give us the documents or work out a solution. But this is typical. This is just typical. And um, usually when they hide stuff and you have to go to court to get things, it's a generally, not always, but generally indication that there's something to hide. And we have this new uh, disclosure as a result of a Judicial Watch, uh, yeah, I don't think we even, oh yeah, we had to sue. So we obtained, obtained records from the Justice Department about an interesting issue. There were two assistant U.S. attorneys who attended a Clinton campaign event in, what year? 2016, obviously, the Clinton campaign event. So Judicial Watch found these records as a result of suing for them. And these two U.S. attorneys were involved in the prosecution of now former Congressman Dunker Hunt, Duncan Hunter. Hunter's, uh, was uh, and his wife were charged with 60 separate criminal charges relating to the misuse of campaign funds. You know what? When a federal prosecutor charges you with 60 criminal counts, that's an indication that there's something up. Not in terms of your being the, what the defendant did, but what, why is the prosecutor doing this? Hunter pled guilty to one count of criminal conspiracy, and he resigned from Congress earlier this month, uh, uh, January 7th. And he's scheduled to be sentenced on March 17th. So here's the story. In June of 2019, Hunter filed a motion to dismiss the charges against him, or in the alternative, recused the U.S. Attorney's Office in San Diego on the grounds that the two prosecutors, Elena Robinson and Emily Allen's attendance at an August 2015 fundraiser, presented a political conflict of interest, and so they shouldn't be on the case. And this is what's interesting. In response, the prosecutors represented the San Diego federal court, represented to the court that they were asked to attend the Clinton fundraiser, quote, in the event of a protective security-related incident where immediate prosecutorial guidance would be necessary. Does that sound true to you? Well, I'll tell you why it's not in a minute. The statement did not elaborate on what kind of incident might require prosecutorial guidance. An earlier letter from the Executive Office of the United States Attorney General, U.S. United States Attorney's General Counsel, represented that the prosecutors were at the event, quote, in their official capacity assisting law enforcement. And the new records, to put it charitably, raised serious questions that we, the new records that we got raised serious questions about whether these prosecutors were lying to the court. Listen to this. In an email sent on the date of the Clinton fundraiser, August 7, 2015, with the subject line photo, a U.S. Attorney's Office official whose name is redacted sends a note to another U.S. Attorney's Office official whose name is also redacted. Thank you so much for the invitation to this morning's event. I was blown away by your incredible hospitality and can't thank you enough for allowing us to crash that fabulous party. It was really a memorable morning. In another email, on the same date with the same subject line, Again, two redacted officials communicate. 
You totally downplayed that amazing invitation. I had no idea it'd be so spectacular. I didn't even realize we'd be invited in. I'm so grateful for the invitation. Thank you. So these prosecutors are registered Democrats. They took photos with Clinton at the fundraiser, held at the home of Qualcomm co-founder, big Democratic donor, Erwin uh, Jacobs and his wife, Joan. Shortly after the fundraiser, Hunter then endorsed Clinton's opponent, Donald Trump, which I guess isn't surprising. Robinson became acting U.S. attorney in January 2017, and hence began the prosecution of Duncan Hunter. So as you might imagine, these documents raise questions about Duncan Hunter's prosecution, especially since as the evidence lies to the court. It sure looks like those who participated in the campaign fundraiser were not there to provide prosecutorial guidance, which is obviously a lie. I mean, now we've got proof. The Hatch Act generally prohibits federal employees from participating in political activities while on duty and Department of Justice regulations impose further restrictions on prosecutors. Rules of professional conduct prohibit attorneys from knowingly making false statements of material fact to a tribunal or failing to correct such statements. They also require truthfulness in the statements to others. I mean, these obviously, these emails are obviously evidence of political bias at the Justice Department, not only against Duncan Hunter, who is a Republican, he was a conservative Republican, but obviously supportive of Hillary Clinton. So there are all ways to investigate this. The court can investigate this. I don't know if Duncan Hunter's going to raise this. The Office of Special Counsel, there's an Office of Professional Responsibility. But we would not know about this evident corruption without Judicial Watch's work. And it shows you just how out of control the Justice Department is. I've taken the position you can't trust much of anything the Justice Department does in terms of prosecutions of any political figure. That includes political figures I may not disagree with. That includes political figures who may evidently have committed criminal acts. Now, I know prosecutions can be, you know, that there are sometimes uh, you weigh various factors in deciding whether to prosecute anyone. But do you think most of these prosecutions are done on the merits or, by done, or, or, or are done by disinterested parties? Trump shows that's not the case. Clinton shows that's not the case. Manafort shows that's not the case. Flynn shows it's not the case. And now we have documents showing that a U.S. congressman may no longer be a U.S. congressman. He's gone now because you had these Clinton people, Clinton supporters, prosecuting him. And then potentially looks like lying about it to the courts. I don't know if Duncan Hunter's guilty of anything. I do know I don't trust the prosecution now after reviewing these documents, and I hope the court takes a look at it. I mean, you think it's just Donald Trump was being targeted, or we can't trust uh, anything tied to what the Justice Department did with Trump? Mm -mm. It's a broader issue. And I hope the Attorney General of the United States gets wind of this. That's why I love Judicial Watch, because uh, we would not know about it but for our litigation here. And uh, whether it be our exposing 
the deep state abuse of Trump that no one else would have known about but for our work, exposing Clinton emails, you name it. Suing on Biden, suing on the whistleblower who is being protected corruptly by the Democratic-controlled media and tech companies. I just love the fact that Judicial Watch is still able to do this. And the reason we're able to do it is because of your support. So I want to thank you for your support. Uh, we're going through a trial right now, nationally, an abusive trial. It will end soon. But we can't stop working. And so you can't stop supporting us, and certainly we're not going to stop working. We're going to keep on uncovering the corruption, the worst scandal in American history, the abuses targeting President Trump and our constitutional system as evidenced by this abusive trial of the president. Because I guarantee you guys, Congress ain't going to do it. Neither the House or the Senate. It's simply not going to do it. You think Biden's going to get investigated? He's not. Not by the Senate. Not by the House. He's a protected, he's a protected person right now. Only Judicial Watch will be able to do the work here independently and on behalf of you, the American people. So thank you again for your support, and I'll see you next week on Judicial Watch's weekly update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.